Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. How are you all? Thank you for the opportunity to once again gather together today. And as we look to the scriptures, as we begin a series now on the importance of faith, and especially from the perspective as a child, uh, help us, Lord, uh, teach us and imprint on our minds and our hearts what you want us to learn today. But not only that, practice it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this month we're going to be exploring the concepts of faith. So this week we're going to talk about what does it mean to live with faith as a child. Next week we're going to talk about, or Bill, I should say, is going to talk about what does it mean sometimes when maybe obstacles and and just life throws you a curveball. Later on we're going to talk about uh, how a father uh, can help um, teach lessons on faith and Finally, towards the end, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to, I guess, be an adult, have faith as well. And the next step in life, when you you grow, realizing that the journey is only just beginning, to be honest. So earlier, we read a passage that is contained in three of the Gospels. uh, And I'll just, I'll read Mark's version here. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, Okay, But guess what? What do the disciples try to do? They rebuke the parents. And it's here, it's in one of those rare instances where Jesus gets a little upset. Jesus doesn't get upset very often, but there's there's been a few occasions and usually it's generally warranted. I I think of uh, the time when he he threw everybody out of the temple because as he put it, they turned the temple into a a den of thieves. He's trying to restore order and, and and bring back, like, what was the purpose of the temple is to, for people to be able to come to God. And they were inhibiting that. And here we find that the disciples are trying to inhibit parents from being able to bring their children that Jesus might bless the children. And so when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, actually. He said to them, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little children will not enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he placed, them, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. So these passages here are the same story. And when you find continuity, when there's, especially when the gospels all point to the same story, now John, his gospel is a little different, but Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke, they're known as the synoptic gospels. They have the same similar stories. Maybe they'll tell it from their perspective, but the point is, if all three of them bring up this story, it has importance. It's relevant. This is something that is, Jesus is strong, strongly feels about. So what is it saying here? Children are important. And not only that, there's much that we can learn from children here. You know, children, 
they have a sense of uh, <laughs> curiosity. Uh, they can be resilient. They can be creative. They're empathetic. At times, they can be uh, assertive. Yet they also can be humble, and they can be confident. All aspects that we ourselves, as adults, sometimes, I think uh, as we get older, maybe we get a little jaded. That creativity, that, that uh, curiosity, and sometimes even that resilience starts to slip away. But Jesus is uh, eventually here in Matthew, Jesus is calling us to live like kids. So let's go to, let's go to Matthew 18, Matthew 18, 1 through 5. We're not going to th- show it on the screen because we want you to bring your own Bibles or maybe if you have a tablet or if you don't have a Bible, open your phone to Matthew 18, 1 through 5. All right, we want you to get into the habit of being able to search the scriptures. Okay, so Matthew 18, 1 through 5. We all there? All right. So at the time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You see, even though the disciples had been walking with Jesus for some time, they had this little issue of pride. There were 12 disciples, and, and even when amongst the 12 disciples, there were actually there was a, a little smaller inner ring of Peter, James, and John. Now, Jesus invested three years into these, these disciples, especially, okay, the, the 12 uh, apostles. And especially James, John, and Peter, because as you continue to read the Bible, as you go through the Gospels, and especially when it talks about in the book of Acts, they're really, Peter especially, is, is one of the chief cornerstones uh, uh, to help build the foundation of the early church. But even though Jesus talks about, hey, have humility, uh, pride is still slipping. In fact, even I think, uh, you know, one of, one of the disciples' mom asks Jesus, hey, you know, can, can my boys have a special seat? And Jesus draws them back and he says, look, this is the mindset that you should have. And so in verse two, he calls a little child to him and he places the child among them. He's presenting this child in front of them. See, this is the example. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Therefore, Whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So Jesus calls a child and he he says, look, this is the example. I want you to become like this child. Now, obviously, you know, take, take into perspective Jesus is saying, hey, we should have the attributes of a child. Don't actually go back to acting like a a five-year-old. Can you imagine a world full of five-year-olds? I didn't want to say it, Bill, but you said it. Seems like like right now we don't, I don't know, could it get worse? Yeah, it could get worse. But it seems like, man, maturity. um, 
a lot of people acting like five-year-olds. I'm not going to say who, but you don't have to look very far in how people sometimes react. And it's like, can, can we just get an adult in the room sometimes? OK. Now, I'm not saying everybody, but some people. And, and so Jesus is saying, look, if you truly want to be great, become like a child. And, and children, there's a, there's a lot that we can learn from children. So you know, what, actually, when we look through the Bible, there's a number of kids who were great examples. For instance, the prophet Samuel, very early on, his whole life was dedicated to the ministry of the Lord. And God spoke to him very early in life, and he was a super faithful, faithful prophet. Um, I think of Timothy. I, I don't know how old Timothy was, but he was a very young man, and, and Paul intentionally reached out, mentored him, and helped him grow. And he was a very, very faithful disciple. Uh, one of the other great examples of children, especially ministering, you know, sometimes it's the unlikeliest sources that can be a blessing. How about the kid who brought uh, the, um, the five loaves and two fishes? Can you imagine being a child and being surrounded by a bunch of people and the disciples and Jesus are asking you, hey, can we, you know, use this? And then, of course, God blesses the food. All of a sudden, Thousands of people are being fed. And he was simply present and able. There's a lesson there. We also think of Philip's daughters, four daughters in, in, uh, in Acts, and, and how they prophesied for the Lord. Jesus himself, as a 12-year-old, uh, when uh, he got separated from Mary and Joseph, and, and Mary and Joseph looked all over for him, and finally they found him in the temple with the teachers. And it's interesting how it said he was listening and asking questions. Of course, mom, you know, mom and dad said, hey, why did you do this to us? Why did, you, why did you give us such a panic scare? And he simply said, I was going about my father's business. Finally, the, the last example that I also think of is Josiah becoming king at the year, at eight years old. Can you imagine being in charge of a, a kingdom at eight years old? No, thank you. I just want to play. I mean, when I was eight, um, I'm trying to think what I was doing. I, <laughs> I was making mud cakes and throwing them at my friends and my siblings. That's what I was doing at eight. To have the whole responsibility at eight of a kingdom. Obviously, he had other people to help him. But it says here in, 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 uh, in, in scriptures that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, his lineage, his father, his grandfather, and those that followed him, it says, did not do right in the eyes of the Lord. Josiah was different. He stood out. He wanted to do the right thing, and he was faithful to God. But what is it that we can learn from children? So Jesus, he places this child, and this is the example. You know, children, uh, they are honest and they ask questions. Uh, growing up, when I was a young kid, I, I had a favorite expression that many of you are probably familiar with because of your own children. My, my own grandmother would get upset when I would say this, this word. Why? 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 
And even if you try to explain it, they'll continue. Now, sometimes maybe I also asked it because I was trying to be cheeky. <laughs> but children are naturally inquisitive. They want to learn because they're growing, they're forming. And, and you know, they only, have, they only know so much. And as they continue to grow, their minds are becoming more filled with knowledge. And they simply just want to know and understand. And yet children as well, you'll, you'll find that they'll say things that most adults won't say because we're trying to be polite or we don't want to hurt, thing, hurt somebody. And yet children, they haven't learned that filter quite yet sometimes. But it's also refreshing because it's great to be able to hear honesty. Amen? So somewhere along the way, sometimes maybe we try to be polite or we don't want to hurt people's feelings, or maybe we do, uh, depending on maybe perhaps who you follow on social media uh, or just in general. But I, I think it, you're in a better place when you're able to ask questions and to be honest. And sometimes even when we're honest, especially about the questions, and maybe sometimes in our faith, we have questions like, I don't understand this God. Somewhere along the way, there was this thought that, well, maybe, you know, it's not good to ask questions. We should just blindly believe. And yes, we should believe. But faith also seeks understanding. Faith, fetus quarens intellectum, I think is what a philosopher said many years ago. Faith requires that we ask questions. In fact, even uh, in this week, uh, Bill and I were having a, a conversation and he said something very profound. I told him I was going to steal this. You know, um, your, fa your faith isn't real until you've chosen it. And that's an intentional response. And it requires thinking and accepting that this is what I choose to believe. And in our, in our journey with God and our journey with Christ, there are going to be times where it may be challenging. And we're going to ask God, why? Why is this happening to me? And when we pray, we want answers or we want healing. And, and God will answer our prayers. There are three responses. Yes, perhaps it'll be immediate or no. Or the one that seems to be consistent a lot of times is wait. And we don't like waiting. We want our happy meal. You know, we want our, we want our happy meal. We want our, our, uh, our dessert right away. Bum, 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 bum. But sometimes God's timing is not always in line with what we want. And there are times where even when it's difficult, this is an opportunity for you to grow and to learn and trust. And after all is said and done, perhaps it's an opportunity to see that, no, I can take lessons and I can apply these lessons and now be much stronger in faith. So ask questions, be honest. And in our journey as well, children trust and depend on their parents. From the moment they are born, their parents have to clothe them, they have to feed them, they provide security for them, shelter, until they leave the house. And, and uh, we're, we're totally dependent, especially from a young age. How often do we totally depend everything on God as we get older? 
now we're told to depend on self, to trust your gut and in, instinct. And, and, and yeah, there's some merit to that truth, but yet uh, there's truth to that. But yet ultimately our, our full confidence should be that of God. Where is God leading and guiding us? And trust. You know, trust is also built by spending time with one another. Children take comfort in being around their parents. They grow. It's important to spend time to commune with one another. I remember I was eight years old and it was my first time learning how to surf. I was at Doheny Beach. And the waves were probably at best maybe this high, but when you're eight years old, you're really small. And I remember my dad uh, borrowed my uncle's really, really big board. I think it was like nine and a half feet tall. It was made for big waves. It was super thin, but really, really tall. And I remember paddling out there. And now that I look back, it was kind of a little too shallow for my liking. <laughs> and he said, hey, I'm going to push you into the wave and you're going to stand up. But when you are surfing, when you stand up, don't dive head first into the water because you could you know, obviously injure your head. Jump feet first. And I remember as the waves were coming in, you know, they looked so much bigger than they actually were. But I remember my dad placing his hand on the board and then also his hand on my back and we would put either jump over the, uh, go over the wave or depending if it had already broken, he would push the board under and together we would go under the wave and the wave would pass over. It's called duck diving. And even though I was facing this obstacle of being in deeper water, I wasn't a super strong swimmer. Um, my dad, I trusted my dad. And it was something that I wanted to do because he had been surfing since he was a kid. And I just, I wanted to be like my dad. And I remember him turning around and this wave was coming. It was a wall of water. And he said, get ready, start to paddle, start to paddle, start to paddle. And he pushed the board. The board caught the wave and I stood up. And I remember feeling so alive, so excited that this was something that I wanted to do my whole life. But it was even more special when I realized that it was my dad who helped pave the way, went with me, and we faced the same obstacles together. And after that, I realized I didn't have to be afraid of the water popping over because I knew that my dad would look out for me. He wouldn't let me get hurt or he'd have to answer to mom. So, but I trusted my dad. And that requires spending time together and, and, and learning and growing and obviously being comfortable. So take comfort. Children take comfort of their parents. How often do we place our comfort and trust in God? Now, parents are also not always perfect. Sometimes, you know, a parent is just trying to, as you get older, you realize your parents are just trying to do the best that they can. There's no real manual out there to raise your kids. Am I right, parents? You, you learn from others. You learn from your, uh, your own parents. And uh, sometimes it's like, take it day by day. 
all right? Now, I'm, I'm not a parent, but I can only see and observe. And as I've gotten older and realized, you know, um, the expectations that we sometimes have as children on our parents are maybe a little unrealistic because we have to take it with a, a, a sense of grace in that they're learning along the way as well, sometimes. And, and so be graceful, be understanding. Now, who has the most influence in shaping a child's faith? Me? Hardly. Because if we're being honest, we're here this hour, right? Mom and dad has the biggest influence in shaping a child's faith. And so it's important. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this later on in a couple of weeks, but it's important that moms and dads be intentional about incorporating and influencing their child in their faith. So spend time, but especially spend time with God together. Chuck Swindoll said, each day of our lives, we make deposits in the memory banks of our children. And this doesn't just apply to, to, to parents, but it could be uh, you know, a grandparent, it could be an uncle, it could be a family friend, it could be a fellow church member. I was, I was grateful and blessed with the fact that not just my own parents, but we, we met other people in our church. It was, you know, it was Sabbath school teachers or it was just, uh, <laughs> um, just random people perhaps that who cared and loved children and wanted to be a part of their lives that today I am so indebted and grateful because they invested time in our lives and they were, I was able to learn. And the same thing is here too. Be an example for these children. And although you may not say it, they are learning and watching from everything that you do. So make deposits, good deposits in the memory of the children. Now to have a childlike faith also requires that we be teachable and humble to listen. So, you know, continue to ask good and honest questions, but also especially just as Jesus did when he was in the temple with the teachers, he listened. And don't just be listening with, hey, well, I'm gonna fire back a question. Think about the perspective where that person is coming from and learn Ultimately, be humble. Now, Matthew 18, it continues. Um, sorry, I meant to write. <laughs> oh yeah, 10 through 14. Uh, Matthew 18, six through nine, talks a little bit about, hey, you need to be a good example to set forth amongst these children. But then in, in Matthew 18, 10 to 14, let's go there. Matthew 18, 10 to 14. It says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, 
your father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should perish. You know, children, they sometimes have a sense of curiosity <laughs> and maybe wander off. Maybe, maybe you're uh, at the store and they found something that's way more interesting, like the candy aisle, and they just want to look at all the candy while you're going about doing your shopping of getting the milk and the eggs and the pasta, whatever. Or sometimes maybe children also have a little bit of a rebellious streak. Maybe they're trying to hide from their parents or take a step further, even run away from their parents. Sometimes we don't maybe like something that our, our mom and, and dad said. Maybe sometimes we might want to try to punish them too. Um, <laughs> when I was, I think I was 10 or 11 years old, we were living in a house where my bedroom, my brother and I shared a bedroom over a three-car garage. It was the best room ever because it also had like vaulted ceilings like this. And, and we would literally play baseball in our room. It was that big. Of course, you know, when you're 10 years old, you know, anything, of course, is, is bigger. But I remember this one night where my parents had to go somewhere. Um, I don't remember what it was, if it was a business meeting or, or what. And um, I don't remember the exact circumstances. Now, I'm also, this is a story that my mom shared with me. and I'm still trying to remember it because it was a long, long time ago. I got upset with them. I think it was because I wanted to go with them or whatever. So um, they left and they came back. Now, in the midst of them coming back, uh, I went out. The room that I, my brother and I stayed in had a, little, uh, had a sliding door with a little bit of a balcony that you could look out that overlooked the backyard. And in, the, in that little balcony was a one of those tri-folding chairs that, you know, when you go to the beach or camping, uh, it has two legs, you pop it open, and then you unfold the top, and uh, you can lie down or you can prop it up and you can, you can sit in it. And I, um, I sat in that chair, I had a blanket with me, I wrapped myself up and I was upset and grumbling about my parents. Now, <laughs> When my parents got home, of course, they come in and they check in on us and they could not find me. And they looked all over the house and they looked for, I don't know how long, but in my mom's case, it was way too long. And she was panicking. She was literally probably about to call the police. And then finally they remembered there was one spot that they had not looked. And when they opened the door, they saw me, they brought me in. Apparently, I confess that I was mad at them for leaving and, and uh, for going off. And I, I don't remember exactly why I did that because it was so long ago. But it's the importance of, I, 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 well, I knew, okay, no, I was upset about something. And, you know, but my parents, they spent quite a bit of time searching for me because why? They loved me. They wanted to make sure that I was okay. And much like God in this story, the shepherd loves all of his sheep and went back for the lost sheep. We don't know exactly how this sheep got lost. Maybe he was curious, maybe he was being rebellious. Whatever it may be, it was gone from the main flock. 
And the shepherd made sure that the other sheep were, were safe and then took off and went to find that sheep. And when he brought the sheep back, as in Luke's account, the shepherd rejoiced. As children, we sometimes, you know, may find ourselves lost, but our parents come back and find us. And, and like the shepherd, the shepherd went to find the sheep. In fact, there's a, there's a story told of a, a sheep named Shrek, the merino sheep that had evaded capture and collection in New Zealand, and he was gone for six years. Can you imagine a sheep being gone for six years? All of a sudden, when they, when they found him, he didn't really look like a sheep. He was just a ball of, of uh, wool. Thank you. And uh, he, it was like, he literally, yeah, it was a ball of, of wool. And, and when they finally brought him back, the owner let the broadcasters and everybody come in and take pictures and yay, it was amazing, he was gone. And then the professional shearer comes in and literally takes six years worth of wool off of him. And by the time the sheep had you know, gotten there, it was caked, it was matted, um, it was firm. Imagine all of that excess wool finally off of your shoulders and all of your body and you can finally move. Sometimes maybe we're angry and we decide, you know what, forget you, I'm gone. Or maybe we just, we carry guilt and the burden of that weighs us down. The beauty of that, even if we run, God does not abandon us and we'll keep seeking but it's our decision to where we have to trust and choose faith and choose God. And as Shrek was lifted the burden of all of that wool, he finally could breathe, he could run, and he could lie down. He actually made a little blanket a foot tall of, of wool as his blanket. And he found freedom from all of that wool on top of him much like the sheep, we can lay our burdens, we can lay our grief, we can lay our baggage, whatever it is, to God, and God can take that baggage away, and you can find grace, and you can find freedom. God loves us. God doesn't abandon us. God was, Jesus was sent in this world that we might be saved. So as children, May you ask questions, be honest, be teachable, be humble. May you place your trust in the God who loves you and died for you. May you take comfort. May you have faith as a child and trust as a baby does on their parents in everything about your life, your marriage, your children, your job, or needing a job. Throughout this pandemic, we've had to trust. Hasn't always been easy. There have been times where we want to perhaps maybe just say, forget that, or it's caused conflict. There's uncertainty when we look at it from our perspective, but in God, there is certainty. So may you trust as a child and grow 
and bask in God's love. Father in heaven, Lord, it's not always easy in this, in this time and age, especially when our faith is being challenged so literally, figuratively. But Lord, may we trust you as a child trusts their parents. And may we also understand that, Lord, you are full of grace and full of love. So be with us in our belief and even when we sometimes doubt. Remind us of who you are. And Lord, until that day when you return, may you help us to be faithful stewards of you, ambassadors in this community, and that others may know that Downey Church is a place where they can come and they can find peace, hope, joy, and life. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace, everyone. Take care.